the continuing saga of the Equifax breach, coming up in the ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro. The repercussions from the breach of computers at Equifax continues to reverberate, grabbing headlines a week and a half after the credit reporting agency revealed that hackers broke into its system and gained access to the personal information of 143 million Americans, including social security numbers and home addresses. In a few minutes, I'll share some observations on the breach, focused on the qualifications of the security official charged with safeguarding U.S. citizens' PII found on Equifax servers. But first, let's take a look at some of the latest developments in the Equifax saga. As my ISMG colleague, Data Breach Today Executive Editor Matt Schwartz reports, Equifax faces numerous class action lawsuits in the United States and Canada, as well as investigations by Congress and the Federal Trade Commission. The U.S. Justice Department announced on Monday that it has opened an investigation into the timing of nearly $1.8 million worth of stocks sold by senior Equifax executives in August. Those transactions occurred after the company discovered the breach, but before it was publicly disclosed. Equifax contends those executives were ignorant of the hack. Equifax's stock price, meanwhile, is being battered. Though its share prices recovered a bit Monday, Equifax stock has lost a third of its value since revealing the breach. In the wake of the cyber intrusion, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo announced he plans to expand the state's strict cybersecurity standards for banks to credit reporting businesses that, besides Equifax, include Experian and TransUnion. The Equifax breach also prompted Democratic Representative Jim Langevin of Rhode Island to reintroduce legislation to nationalize data breach notification. Langevin says Equifax has done a terrible job communicating about the breach and his legislation would ensure that any future such breach has a single standard and one federal regulator to help get actionable information to consumers quickly. Perhaps the biggest commotion surrounding the breach was the qualifications of the Chief Information Security Officer, Susan Malden. Malden did not hold any academic degrees in IT or IT security. In fact, her undergraduate and graduate degrees are in music composition. Are these disqualifying facts? After this message, I'll address those questions about Malden's qualifications. A day in the life of a CISO is is a pretty challenging day. This is the ISMG Security Report. ISMG's Fraud and Breach Prevention Summit will take place October 17th and 18th in London. Keynote address will be provided by Phil Reitinger, CEO of the Global Cyber Alliance, followed by other information security leaders discussing hot topics like ransomware, GDPR, insider threat detection, and more. Visit events.ismg.io and register today. Welcome back. Until she retired last week, and there are air quotes around the word retired, Susan Malden served as Chief Information Security Officer for Equifax for the past four years. It's been widely suggested that her retirement was a forced resignation. The overwhelming majority of CISOs hold some type of technical academic degree, mostly in information technology, IT security, computer science, or engineering. A lot has been made that Malden lacked formal degrees in IT and IT security. She's been mocked by some for the two degrees she holds from the University of Georgia, both in music composition. As an aside, over the years I've met a number of individuals who have had successful IT and IT security careers who hold music degrees. Gartner fellow Richard Hunter received a bachelor's degree in music from Harvard. In his LinkedIn profile, writes that music is about thinking a certain way. 
foreground and background, movement and complete structure all at once. He says he learned that way of thinking, which has applications well beyond music. And I'll add in IT and IT security for sure. Though academic pedigree matters, the degrees one holds shouldn't be the determining factor whether one is qualified to be a chief security officer. Having the right skills to do the job is what matters. And it seems that Molden gained experience in IT and IT security at a number of companies over the past decade. According to her LinkedIn profile, which mysteriously vanished last week, she went to work in 2002 for Hewlett Packard. Her job title wasn't described, but HP's business is, after all, information technology. She joined SunTrust Bank in 2007. One report had her overseeing a call center. That fact has not been confirmed by ISMG. In 2009, Molden went to work for First Data Corporation for four years and reportedly held a number of senior-level IT posts, including Senior VP and Chief Security Officer. She joined Equifax in August 2013. As Equifax CISO, Molden sat down last year for an interview with Pratt Mogi. He's chief executive of Big Data as a Service Provider, Kazina. Watching the interview, Molden seemed as conversant in IT security matters as any CISO. In the interview, Molden discussed the role of Chief Information Security Officer. So a day in the life of a CISO is a, is a pretty challenging day. We spend our time looking for threats against a company. We look for things that might be active inside the company that would cause us concern. And then, of course, we look to respond to, you know, detect and contain and deflect those threats as much as possible, while at the same time keeping in mind that our executives and our board of directors always want to know what's going on with security at the company. So it's definitely a challenging role. Being conversant in IT security in itself doesn't mean an individual has the right skills to do the job, but having a tech degree is no guarantee either. The Equifax breach was blamed in part on the failure of the company to patch a vulnerability in its Apache stretch framework used to build web applications. The system's job is to guarantee policies and controls are in place to assure vulnerabilities to such systems get patched. It's not the CISO's role to get his or her hands dirty applying the patch. It's not even required that the CISO know the steps to do the patch, just that it should be done and that resources are provided to do so. Applying the patch is the job of systems administrators or other technical staffers. The rumpus around Molden's qualifications reminds me of a similar brouhaha involving Michael Daniel in 2014. Daniel was then White House Cybersecurity Coordinator, who in an interview with me contended he didn't need deep technical expertise to do his job. Here's an excerpt from that interview. How much do you need to know about the technology behind information security? You have to start to develop a broad sense of the kinds of technology that's available, but you don't have to be a coder in order to really do well in this position. Uh, in fact, actually, I think being too down in the weeds at the technical level could actually be a little bit of a distraction in that sense. Well, how so? Part of the way that it's a distraction is that you can get taken up and uh, sort of enamored with the very detailed aspects of some of the technical solutions, and, and particularly here at the White House and in other senior policy positions across the government, the real issue is looking at the broad strategic picture and the impact uh, that the technology will have. But the other issue in my mind is that at a very fundamental level, cybersecurity is not just about the technology, but it's also about the economics of cybersecurity, why companies choose to invest the way they invest. It's about the psychology 
strategy of cybersecurity, the fact that, you know, one of my sayings is that expediency trumps cybersecurity every time, meaning that, that people will prioritize convenience over being secure many times. And so you need to have the understanding of those kinds of factors, the psychology, the economics, the broad policy, the politics of the little p, in addition to the technology. And so you need to be more of a generalist than having a lot of expertise, particularly in, in uh, the technological side, in order to actually succeed well in this area. That remark put Daniel in the crosshairs of critics, igniting a surge of derisive comments in the blogosphere, on Twitter, and in postings on our website, questioning his qualifications to be special assistant to the president on cybersecurity. Now, the White House cybersecurity coordinator and, and a corporate or governmental chief information security officer are two different types of jobs, but they both require an, an understanding of the significance of strategy in executing cybersecurity policies. And a CISO must know how to navigate the enterprise to get buy-in from stakeholders, including the C-suite and board, and obtain the resources to furnish the necessary safeguards. Walden's job was to provide those safeguards, but as the breach shows, she failed. And it wasn't because of her academic degrees. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. It's been more than two and a half years since the 2015 breach of Health Insure Anthem that exposed the personal information of nearly 79 million individuals. But the breach continues to make news. Just last month, a federal judge gave his preliminary approval to a $115 million settlement of a class action suit deemed the largest data breach settlement ever reached. And lessons learned from those who responded to the breach continue to surface, as healthcare Info Security Executive Editor Marianne Kolbesak-McGee explains. Steve Moore is Vice President and Chief Security Strategist at Security Information and Event Management Provider, Exabeam, but in February 2015, he headed cybersecurity analytics at Anthem. And Moore says a lesson from the breach is that organizations must rethink some basic services that the enterprises provide, such as email. If you don't have any money and you don't have the staffing, uh, you have to come to the realization that we have to start thinking about email as a business process and not a messaging system. And how do we govern that? So what are we allowing to process through there? Is there anything we strip out uh, that we need to govern differently? Another lesson Moore furnishes from the Anthem breach is the preparation of employees in anticipation of a cyber attack. Conscripts, and that may not be the most popular term, but we ran people through our program and train them up. They might have an interest in information security. We might want to mentor them. That sort of good deed and that good program building element, you know, staffing's a challenge for us. Staffing's a challenge for everyone. When the breach hit, we were spread thin. We all had to attack different things, and we, had, we brought in those conscripts and really filled out our ranks quickly. We weren't planning on having a breach when we had one. But that human action, pulling in those folks to assist because of all the other things that we had to do, like getting in and everyone gets pulled up in the organization. You're meeting with clients, you're meeting with auditors, you're meeting with lawyers, you're leading a breach investigation. So your resources will be quickly depleted. Moore says probably the biggest lesson from the Anthem breach is that leaders must keep people in the organization calm so executives, managers, and employees can focus on the need to properly respond. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee. To hear Marianne's interview with Steve Moore, go to healthcareinfosecurity.com. That's the ISMG Security Report. Our theme is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Eric Chabro. Catch you next time. Music.